95? Perfect. All right. <clears throat> All right. Page 795, Romans 6. Page what? 799? All right. Page 799. And the title of the message, let me throw the title slide up here. Uh, the title of the message, as it says in your bulletin, is Straight Talk. Straight Talk. Um, let's open up in prayer first, and, uh, and I'll tell you kind of like why we're here, and how this came about, and uh, what's been going on. So, Lord, we thank you for our time together. Holy Spirit, I just, uh, just pray, Holy Spirit, that you could speak uh, through me. That my words... Um, would be your words, and that my heart would be your heart. Father, that you truly minister to our hearts and minister to our minds. Father, I just pray that it would not be educational, but we ask that it would be transformational. God, may you equip us with truth so that we do not have to live in the darkness and function like we're in the darkness. Thank you for how good you are and how much you love us. I ask the Holy Spirit just to bless uh, the teaching going on with the kids downstairs. That you'd bless uh, the people helping out in the nursery next door changing diapers. Give them patience, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come and be with us. Open up our eyes uh, so we could see what you, have be, what you might be saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, so we're going through the book of Ephesians, right? So that's what we're studying through. That's, that's what we're going through. And uh, technically, we're in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses like uh, 15 to like 23. Because Travis last week uh, covered verses 1 through 10. And I think it was a blessing to have Travis share with us last week. And, um, you know, be really honest and open, vulnerable, and um, share some things that was on his heart pertaining to that passage. And uh, there's a little bit left of chapter 2 to go, and some more in chapter 3. And then the last three chapters, chapter 4, 5, and 6, get into like a lot of do's, like, like do this, do this, do this. But the purpose of chapters 1, 2, and 3 helps to put our minds in a place so we can better understand what the do's are about. So it's not just like a bunch of laws, rules, and do's that God is expecting us to do. There's a purpose behind those. So the better we grasp the first few chapters, the better we can understand and know why we're doing the last three chapters, the stuff that's in there. As you read chapters 1 and 2, and you don't have to turn there. Um, but when I picture Paul writing this book of Ephesians, and I picture him uh, explaining these things uh, in Christ. So he, cha- he says uh, in Ephesians 1 and, cha- and uh, chapter 2, so in Ephesians 1 he's talking about the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. And we all read it before. He's talking about praise be to God. How He chose us. How He adopted us. Praise be to God. 
in Him, through His blood, we were chosen. I pray that you would know God and know Him better, know His strength, know what it means and the hope that He has given us and the mighty, incomparable, great power that is in us. And then Ephesians 2, like what Travis was talking about last week. In the ways in which you used to live, but now you've been made alive. So you used to be obedient to a sinful nature, allowing its desires and its thoughts. But now we've been made alive. In verse 5 in chapter 2, you've made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It's great grace we have been saved. When I picture Paul writing that, I picture him being like a little bit geeked up about it. And by geeked up, I mean kind of excited about it. Having some enthusiasm, some passion, and some excitement about what has actually been true because of what Christ has done on the cross. Travis mentioned a couple of things last week. Well, he mentioned a lot of things. But a couple of things that stuck out in my mind that also kind of catapulted this message. One of the things that he talked about is he talked about how salvation, which was a big part of last week, how salvation is so much more than a get out of hell kind of card. How it's so much more than that. So that was one thing. Another thing that he said is towards like probably three quarters way through his message, he said that for the Christian, if it's possible, get a grip on our spiritual identity in Christ. Because it will change everything. It will change everything. So those two things stuck out to me. And also, there's just been this... uh, I don't know. There's been something going on um, inside of me. I've been reading Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 and as we finished up Matthew, about how we just need to do some straight talk for a little bit. This is going to be a different Sunday. Alright, so I'm just preparing you now. And you can blame Travis if you don't like it. So, it's going to be a different Sunday because I know typically, normally, what we do is we are going through, we'll, we'll, we'll bite off our little chunk of strip scripture that we're going to talk about and we'll dig into it and we'll look at it and, and, and take some things out. You know, and see how we can apply that to our lives. Where this morning... It's going to be just more of like some straight talk about what the gospel is and about what salvation even means. How this thing is even good news. And now where does that leave us? Like what's going on? I just feel like it's just time just to talk real simple, real plain. Like Paul wrote Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2. He used a lot of language, talked about a lot of things. Let's just talk real plain in 2014 language about how this is gospel and good news and about why this man, this should just transform us and give us hope and give us a passion and just change us. I know that I was... As I was writing a lot of this stuff down, as the message was just being prepared and as I was thinking about it, um, 
at one moment, one particular moment, maybe it was a couple of days ago, I think, as I was writing some stuff down and thinking about it, I just sat back and I just shook my head and I said, Lord, I'm just sorry for being such an idiot. Just for justifying foolish behaviors that are just not from you. See, because I think that the purpose of this morning is to really address and call out who we are as Christians. So we're called to be a particular kind of people, a specific kind of people, because Christ lives in us, for those that have made that profession of faith. But somehow... We've created like this hybrid type of Christianity to where maybe we've said a prayer to God to get the sin issue dealt with, but then we can then live our lives in a way to where it kind of includes God, but it also includes a good deal of quote-unquote worldly wisdom. The wisdom of this world. Or some homeschooling that we've been brought up in. When I say homeschooling, what I mean is that we have been homeschooled in the flesh. Right? We were born into these bodies. Right? I'm talking plain and simple here, right? This is not like we're not Bible stuff yet. We didn't read anything yet. I didn't even get into anything yet. We're just talking. So our homeschooled, right? We just grew up in this flesh. We were born into this thing. And this has been cursed since Adam. So we're born into sin, born into this flesh, and the desires of it and attitudes of it, um, the emotions of it, the desires of it, right off the jump, are evil. Automatically opposed to what God has for us. And what can happen and I think what's kind of sad, what does happen a lot of times, is that the Christian, that I, that you, we can definitely come and surrender and submit our lives to Christ, but allow some of that flesh homeschool that we've been brought up in to kind of influence and taint our thoughts, emotions, actions, and attitudes. When in reality the Christian should be radically, radically different. Because supposedly there is a God living inside. Now I understand, it's very true that we're all in different places in our surrender and walk with Christ. That's very true. But if we're coming with an understanding of what the end game is and what the process is, I think maybe that will help something. That will help some things. So this morning, I just want to talk a little bit about where are these issues? What, what is this wisdom of the world and this flesh that we have to battle? What does that even look like? What does it sound like? And um, we'll close up with talking about how we can better surrender to the God that's really inside of our hearts. So Romans 6, I want to show you something. And then we have a couple of slides with some other verses. And, and then we're going to talk about it. So here's Romans 6. Verses 1 through 4. 
And then the other verses I have on the slides. So Romans 6, verses 1-4 to says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? It's bad logic right there. By no means. We died to sin. Everybody say died. We died to sin. How can we live, it any, live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We can live a new life. On the slides, we have 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Right? New. The old has gone, the new has come. Something new should be coming, taking place. Look at the next one here. Um, Ephesians. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desire. So put that off. To be paid new, again, there's the word again, in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. You see this idea that something new should be taking place. Something new should be developing. Something new should be working from the inside out because Jesus Christ has made that possible. Something new. And look at the last one, Colossians 3. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off. Right Again, we're taking something off. We're putting it aside. We're trying to get rid of it. And I've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. So on this last side here, right? The idea is new, new, new. Right? That is the idea for the Christian. And in Ephesians, we talked about, last week with Travis, we have been made alive and been made new. So the idea is for the Christian, right? There's a new birth inside of us. And God Himself, for those that are professing Christians, is inside. And the question is, are we going to feed that birth so that it grows and eventually takes over our attitudes, emotions, mindset, weaknesses, Are we going to feed that, or will we not? That's the deal of the Christian life, is focusing on the inside of what's going on there. Because we should be, and the goal is, is to be a new creation. We call this thing the gospel, the good news, the good news. What's the good news? Well, most people would say the good news is, well, you can pray this prayer... And ask Jesus into your heart, and then you can be saved. I'd say that's that's pretty good news. And so the idea then is you're saved from your sins, 
So when you stand before God, your name is written in the book of life. That word saved. And that word salvation, it means, the word is sozo. It means to be made whole, to be made complete, to be restored. And as you go through the Bible, the term is transformation. So to think that when we become saved, we're taken care of in eternity, but we got this whole life to live while we're here, however long or short it is, He's looking to make us whole, to restore us, to change us completely into the image of Christ while we're here and save us while we're here so we're saved here and then we're also saved in eternity after. See, it's completely not okay and not good for the Christian to be walking around and function in normal behavior that's extremely hypercritical, insensitive, easily angered, quick to gossip. These issues, right, we're all at different places. But these things should be getting worked out to where we get to where in the process of being saved, restored, made whole, made new, while we are on this earth in this body, worshiping Christ. This is just plain simple talk, right? I'm not getting really difficult here. I think it's very dangerous. I can just think of myself. It's very dangerous just even for me to think that. You know, we come, get ready for church in the morning. We go do church. You know, come home. Meanwhile, during church, it's, you know, well, we're singing the victor's crown or desert song and we're clapping along and we're doing that thing. You know, but then super quick in the car... I can have some issue with Julie that was not resolved from like the previous day and, and just think that that's fine and that's normal and that's okay. That stuff is not okay. That's not okay for the Christian. That's called sin. That's something that I have to repent for and deal with. That's something that God will make me aware of. And you say, hey, listen. Don't listen to your flesh like that's not okay. Just because you went and you did the church thing, that doesn't mean that you're okay and that everything's done. The idea is to completely and focus on totally the work of the Spirit that's happening on the inside. And how He wants to make us new, make us into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's just one small example. But there's many. As soon as something happens to us, for some reason, it's very easy to just respond when you get cut off. To just like, be angry right away. When somebody's like complaining in the workplace environment to just jump on board and just do that. Or to carry it on further. To be embittered and mad by somebody who has 
hurt us either intentionally, that one really hurts, or unintentionally. And to live in feelings of guilt and sorrow and depression and things like that. And then here's what a lot of us do, which is very scary, is if we've even been hurt in a relationship, what we'll do is we could even get around other Christians and be like, so-and-so. Especially in marriages. It's huge in marriages. My spouse is doing such and such. And the other person's like, oh my gosh, you know, that's horrible. I can't believe you have to go through that. You shouldn't have to go through that. How can they treat you like that? That isn't right. And then they go, let me pray for you. It's a real talk. Plain talk this is what happens. I'm not saying prayer is bad, but I'm saying what we can do, it's very easy to do, is get brought into our sinful nature and think that there's like boundaries and limits of what we can take and what we can do, and we can easily throw like spirituality on it. And at least in that scenario I just talked about, you can just get around people who just lick each other's wounds, and that's just all we do. We lick each other's wounds. And that's all that happens. There's not any healing of wounds going on. It's just looking at each other's wounds. So we're just like forwarding on this kind of like weird thing that's happening here. And we can say, oh, we're good. I brought it up, you know, to my small group or we prayed about this issue. And it's like, God is looking to do more than that. He's looking to do more than that. He's looking to do something brand new. I wrote down a couple of things where I think some battle lines are drawn that makes this uh, wisdom of the world and this homeschooled in our flesh some things that make it difficult. One of the things I wrote down is uh, many times about God's love. I talk about God's love, how much He loves us, what He's done for us, how He cares for us. Our performance. I think that's one area one thought um, that's difficult that's difficult for us to deal with that's difficult um, and where our sin nature wants to creep in and sort of pollute it our performance what am I talking about I put down this is usually how we judge ourselves if we're lovable or not we usually judge if we're lovable or not based on upon our performance. And then from there, we usually then judge if how we can approach God and if we can or cannot. And to the flesh, that makes perfect sense. As long as you're performing well, then you can be loved. But as far as the gospel goes, He loves us because He sees our performance, our worth, our life, our value in Christ. That is what He's looking at. He is looking at the finished work in Christ that supposedly we have taken and put on. And He says, I don't love you because you've been to church this many times. I don't love you because uh, you can serve here or do these things or be this nice person or care about this person. I love you because you have accepted the finished work of Christ in your life and I don't look and see the mistakes where you've fallen short or all the great efforts you have made. I see the perfect life that Jesus has lived and that I look at and see and that's what I love. 
So like, my performance doesn't dictate any love at all from God. His love is perfect 110% for those that have made Him Lord of their life. He overwhelms us with that love. Because many times, you know, we can come and we can sing and, um, you know, I'll be praying and be like, how could God love me? He knew I was going to do this. He knew I was going to do that. Yes, He did know that. But that's not the issue. Hopefully we bring those things before Him and we're honest with Him about those things. But He loves us because He sees what and who He's trying to make us in Christ, that new creation. See, He doesn't judge Jared now based on you know, who Jared is now and how he's acting now and what's going on now. And that's not what He sees. And when He looks at you, that's not what He sees. He sees you down here that has been living a life that's been surrendered where He sees you being remade into the image of Christ. And I love the fact that that's the way that he sees us because that takes a ton of pressure off. And it puts the pressure on the right place, actually. It puts all the responsibility in the right place. It puts it back on Jesus because our performance could never be good enough anyways. Otherwise, we could have been on the cross. So the issue of you know performance... It's really pretty much irrelevant. So that's why it gets weird with people sometimes, with Christians sometimes, and uh, they really like to make a note of and keep particular track of their performance and what they do and how they give and where they go. And honestly, it doesn't matter. The Spirit is just trying to accomplish His work through you. That's all that we're trying to live for. That's all that we're doing. So performance, it's not like we're back in school and, you know, we do things and we get grades and um, His grace and His love is only dependent upon certain situations. Not the case at all. Not the case at all. The measuring stick of God's love is Jesus Christ, not our circumstances. And I say that because many times I think that we can think if we come to God and we pray and we talk to Him and we involve Him in our life and then we see circumstances in our life go a particular way. Somebody gets sick, um, bills are like mounting up and we're having a difficult time paying them. Uh, People in our life um, are just being more difficult. When these issues come up, well, maybe God, you know, just does not love me as much or maybe he's not really listening or maybe he's not really hearing no he is he is working those things are coming together and the circumstances are not the judge of his love Jesus Christ we look back to Jesus Christ on the cross and that is the measuring stick of his love I think that's pretty awesome Somehow he thought we were worth it to put his perfect son on a cross for our sake. 
That seems like a bad investment. It just seems like a bad investment. Most people will write checks or give money over for things that they think they're getting a good value for. In fact, most of us, most of us we want to write checks or give money over to things where we feel like we're making out in the deal. And we're getting more for our money. I don't think most people here want to write checks and give money out for when you feel like you're getting the short end of the stick. Like when you're paying too much for something. And the amazing thing is, is God thought he was making out on the deal when his son went on the cross for our sake. That's incredible. He thought he was making out on the deal when his son was hanging on the cross for you and me and my sins. He said, yep, that's worth it. And I'd do it again. That's tremendous. So we don't love because we're supposed to. We love because he first loved us. That's where it all started. Started with love. You understand what I'm saying, right? Now it's connecting. The Spirit's doing it now. I don't even know how really this is all going to come out and what's, how this is all going to develop. I don't know. I was telling you, I was scared to just talk this morning. I haven't been this scared in a long time. And, I, I, and you might leave today and be like, what was that? I don't know, but I just know that I have to be responsible to what I think the Spirit's laid on my heart and deliver what I think the truth has to be for that morning. Got to do that. I just feel like it's important that we talk about and lay it down some of these issues of the good news of the gospel. And certainly one big part of it is His love for you and for me. And that's one we can't lose sight of doesn't mean we're not going to be making mistakes. doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It just means that when he put his son on the cross, he thought that was completely worth it because he knew the potential that we have in Christ. Man, I can't. That type of love is incredible. So how he loves us, it's not determined by about how our kids turn out, about how much money is in our bank account, about like, Whatever. The measuring stick for God's love for us was His own Son hanging on a cross. And so that's why when we take communion and when we think about, you know, we see all these crosses and Him on there and He's not on there anymore. You know, He's gone. But when you see that, it's like, man, He thought I was more than worth in that case to give up His own Son. It's incredible. That is good news, I think. Here's another one. Another thought that I think battles with our flesh and our sinful desires that like, we got to get a hold on because we're called to be new, right? New. New. New mindset. New thinking. New person. Not because we can manufacture it, but because the Holy Spirit is working from within us to create us to be new beings. 
And I just want to make sure that we are fueling that Holy Spirit so that is possible. Because that's the goal at the end of the day. The first thing I said was our performance. The next thing I was thinking about was God. Uh, I put the phrase, our creation. Our creation. A lot of this makes sense when we think about our creation. Right? Here's a news flash that I think is, man, it's just something we battle all the time. Something that's super difficult, I just think takes a while to set, and we got to battle it all the time, this mindset um, and this attitude. The mindset and the attitude is this. Uh, we were not created for ourselves. Or in other words, you were not created for you. I was not created for me. You were not created for yourself. We were created in His image and for Him. Done story. That's it. We are created in His image for His glory. That's it. I am not created for my own life, ambitions, desires, hopes, and dreams. I have some there, but I check them at the cross and I say, Lord, this is what I want, so what I'd like to do. Is this also what you have for me? Genesis 1.26 God was speaking. He said, Let us make man in our own image. Later on in the New Testament, Colossians says we are created by God and for God. It says it in this book. We are not created for ourselves. I'm not created to have the kind of marriage that I want. I'm not created to have um, the type of um, finances that I want. I'm not created to have the type of job environment that I want. I'm not created to have the type of neighbors that I want. I'm not created to have the type of kids that I want. There are things that I would like. And I don't think God just turns up His nose to those things. He just wants them to be submitted to overall, hey, listen, you are created for me because I gave my son for you. Because I have a perfect plan for your life and I'm making you new and at the end of the day it's going to bring glory to me and ultimate satisfaction to you. Is that making sense? Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. It says in Matthew, it says in Mark, it says in Luke. It's very difficult to complain often. Very difficult to complain often. If I really believe that I was not created for me, what is there to complain about? Can you imagine Jesus when he takes up his cross and he's carrying it? Can you imagine 
He's talking back to God. Oh, man, Lord. It says at that point in time, he was already whipped. He was already basically unrecognizable. And so now he's picking up his cross. He's walking. He knows how this thing is going to go down. Can you imagine? Oh, Lord. God, why am I doing this? This isn't worth it. In fact, the ones that were closest to me, they're going to desert me. He said, honestly, all these people that I'm doing this for right now, they don't care. It doesn't matter to them. This is too heavy. It's costing too much. I don't think that they're worth it. What am I going to get back after this? Just more sin out of their lives. How long will it take for some of them to acknowledge and fully surrender their lives for what I'm about to do? And I'm going to be doing this for some people that will never respond. And I think that I'm just loading rules and burdens on their life. God, I don't want to do this. It is not, doesn't it just sound, if you put that in Jesus' mouth, does that not sound ridiculous? It sounds ridiculous. If he were to talk back to the Father like that as he's carrying his cross and walking through it. If it sounds ridiculous in his mouth, it should also sound ridiculous in our mouths. We're made in his image, in his likeness. We're called to live the same as Christ. We're called to have the same mind, the mind of Christ, to be a new creation. So when we're denying ourselves and taking up our cross and trying to put God first and let Him have His way and submitting our emotions, attitudes, and desires, oh God, they're just not worth it. They don't get it. I've showed them this. I've told them that. And then we get into this thing where we're getting right. We're right. And then he surrounds ourselves some other people. Yeah, you are right. They shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be saying that. Well then, congratulations. You're right. Now what? It doesn't get us anywhere. He wasn't just right. He was righteous. He wants us to be right and bear fruit while we're being right. It's a totally different mindset. See, because we think that we have these rights and we think that we have these limitations and we think that there's just this last straw, I can't do it. This last straw, I cannot do it. It's going to break the camel's back. How do you have rights and then deny yourself and take up your cross? How do those things fit together? How can we have some rights and some lines and some limitations that I just cannot go any further? And then say, completely deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. You can't do it. You get what I'm saying? I'm not sure if we're all liking what I'm saying, but this is what he is saying. And some people, you know, then, whoa, I'm just going to enable them. If I keep letting them, if I keep loving them, if I keep showering them. Really? Because Jesus thought he was empowering them. Says his kindness leads us to repentance. 
And then honestly, he says the ultimate form of love is just laying your life down for somebody completely. Completely. All rules and rights are gone. That's what's so huge about marriage. See, marriage many times gets all messed up and very difficult because we think that, oh, you know, I love them, you know, they love me, and, you know, my life is better with them in it, I'm a better person, you know, and then the really scary phrase is, I need them in my life. Oh, God, that's the really scary one. And most people do get married because they need the other person in their life. When in reality, for the Christian, for the new life, for the new person, for the Spirit working, what they're agreeing to at the altar is they're saying, you know what? This is the person. This is the person that I agree to let God use me in any way, shape, or form to be God to this person. In other words, this is the person that I'll allow God to use me in an amazing way to show example of self-sacrifice, to show amazing examples of love, patience, kindness, not keeping record of wrongs. All that nice stuff we read in 1 Corinthians 13. I... I'm choosing to let God use me in that way for this person. Does that leave any room for irreconcilable differences? Not a whole lot. If the other person, man, just turns their back and just walks out and heads out and says, I don't want, I want out. Well, hey, listen, you know, you can't force them to do that. But at that altar... What we're saying is the new person in Christ, they're living as Christ to that other person. That's heavy duty. Basically what we're doing is I'm signing off all of my rights and all of me to fully give all of my love with no promise of return. How many people want to sign up for that at the altar? But that's what marriage is. That's what marriage is. It becomes this really scary and bad thing when it's we get married because I need the other person. Because they make me better. Well, then you're only as good as their best day. That sucks. That's not the new person. That's not living in Christ. We're called to be filled up brand new from the inside and surrendered to this new birth. So we could be a completely new person. So we can handle things in a completely new way with a new attitude and a new mindset that is not of this world. It is of another world. He is looking to empower us to be completely different supernatural people. to where love dominates our hearts. Is it making sense? It's connecting a little bit? I hope. I'm seeing it by the looks. And I can feel it. 
and this is not like a, a you know I don't know it's not spiritual spanking time it's like this is the life that we're called to live and this is the way we should evaluate our Christian life like I said before we're all in different places as far as surrendering our lives to Christ but the idea is though we're being made new we're being made new we're being made new we're being made new and not because we're you know doing behavior modifications but because we are in communion with Jesus Christ not because we made a profession of faith and not because we know a little bit more stuff about the Bible but because we are in communion with Christ we talk with him we hang out with him he speaks to our hearts that's what changes being in communion with him just hanging out with him getting to know him talking with him all day long all the time just speaking with him so this is the life that we're called to the life that we're called to it's too easy to get caught up and our flesh can do it just get caught up in routine and ritual and kind of the same old thing and sprinkle God in there one other thought I wrote down our performance our creation here's another big one it's really easy to think of God as our fixer as our fixer but I think a lot of people um, really struggle with that at times um, because the message in the church is a lot of churches anyways is um, he will bless you and bless you and give you better job and give you better relationships and he'll increase your finances and he wants to bless you he wants to bless you and give you and fix you and ah, that stuff might happen but it's definitely not the ultimate goal the ultimate goal for the Christian something I wrote down here we are Christian because we are getting restored back to the Father through the Son so His nature can consume us and live through us for His glory. We are Christian because we are getting restored back to the Father. We're getting restored back to the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We're getting restored back. Restored back. We were homeschooled, born into flesh. We were perfect before, but now the Spirit is coming in and He's trying to restore us back to what we should have been in the first place. And when our attitudes and emotions and these desires take over, we're just allowing that same process to happen. He's trying to restore us back to who we were created to be in the first place. So He's trying to restore us back to the Jared that was intended back to the Georgina that was intended right back to the Loretta that was intended he's restoring us back to the perfect person that he had in mind before sin got involved in the process that's the work that's going on and we get surprised that there's funk and stuff in us well yeah it's there we were born into it and I got a lot and you got a lot let's surrender together let's do it so we're getting restored back to the father through the son 
so His nature can consume us and live through us for His glory. That's the goal of the Christian. It's not just to like have a profession of faith at some point in time and... What? Have Him consume us, live through us for His glory because we're not ours anyways. That radically changes our perspective and our thinking about how we look at life and our circumstances and what's around us. Changes it radically. I want to close with two thoughts. This thing is called the good news. right? The good news, the gospel. We read about in Romans, baptism. And we just had our baptisms. And I just felt like there was just more to say in my heart for the baptism, what has happened there. Romans 6 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We are therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is awesome. Baptism is amazing. And baptism, uh, the illustration and symbolism really helps out a lot. For those that choose to get baptized, it is saying that they are now getting buried right into the water, raise up a new life. Everything that has gone down into the water, sins, mistakes, failures, shortcomings, Everything that has been apart from Christ has now been buried, been buried, done with, dead, over, no more, no mas, see you later. You come up, made alive, brand new, new birth in Christ. Does not mean... That maybe some of those past things that have happened won't come back to be difficult and haunt us. And it doesn't mean that the enemy won't use some of those past things that got buried in the water to come back to haunt us. The fact of the matter is that baptism makes us brand new. Completely brand new. Brand new life, brand new birth. Man, and that's why I was so pumped and so excited. 12 people. What? They consented to have their life buried with Christ to then, man, start this thing anew in the grace and in the power of their Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh my. What? And church, like we all took part in it. We prayed for it. We ask God for, we ask for His Spirit to move because only He can do the work on those hearts. It's a heavy-duty decision. Sometimes people at church would be like, yeah, oh yeah, I'll say that prayer. I don't want to go to hell. Cool, you want to get baptized? Man, in the Bible, is the same deal. Like you said the prayer, you got dunked. That's what happened. They happened together. 
And man, and they even did a little bit more. Like they even shared about what was getting buried and about how they're going to be made new. It's awesome. It's awesome. So does it mean those baptized people are now perfect and they're all set? No. But it means that they have now allowed the new birth of the Holy Spirit to live in them and that process has started. Where previously it has not. That new birth is happening. We got some new babies. Right? The Holy Spirit is working. It's awesome. That's the good news. And news the enemy hates. So hopefully we can help them feed that new birth. Feed that spirit. Be a new creation. Because all their friends and family, they remember the person that got dunked underwater. And you better believe they're going to remind them too. So they're not believers. They're going to remind them of all the crap that they did. But a new life is looking to come forth. That's even going to love them regardless. And tell them how Jesus has changed them from that old person. And how Jesus is doing a new work so those things don't happen anymore. And they won't be held hostage by that stuff. It's awesome. It's awesome. I read this quote this week. It's from this guy. He's an atheist. It says, more than 100 years ago, the atheist philosopher uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, he approached a group of Christians... This is what this guy says as he approached a group of Christians. He goes, yuck. You make me sick. And when their spokesman asked, asked why, he answered, because you redeemed. You don't look like you're redeemed. You're as fearful, guilt-ridden, anxious, confused, and adrift in an alien environment as I am. I'm allowed. I don't believe. I have nothing to hope for. But you people claim you have a Savior, so why don't you look like you're saved? I was like, dang. You know? You know, he could just be trying to be a jerk that day and just be difficult, because that's the way people are. Or there could be, like, some amount of truth to that. And, um... I think about some Christians. I don't think about really too many in this room. But I think about some Christians. And I'm like, you know, yeah, how could you tell if they're redeemed and saved? How, how could you tell? Listen, you know me, right? So we have been talking, we've been meeting together, going through stuff. Most of the time, I'm up here and speaking and talking about stuff. There's a good percentage of the time that my voice will get loud that I will get animated, that I'll have a smile on my face, that you can sense that there's some sort of joy and like passion about what I'm talking about. That didn't come out anywhere. It came from communion with my king. He just transformed me. And it's still able to happen regardless of what's going on in life around there's some crap going on in our lives right now. Julie and I's life. And it's garbage. And there's spend stuff going on. 
And you got hell stories too, probably worse than mine. But then what? What do we do with those stories? Do we give out awards? Congratulations. You get the worst health story, you have the worst life. And what? At some point, our communion with the Father's got to change that stuff. Because it doesn't change the truth. And the truth is that the cross happened and Jesus Christ died on the cross because He loved us and there's a new life in store. It doesn't change that fact. It sucks some of the things that happen to people. Flat out sucks. I said it in church from here. It sucks sometimes. That does not mean there's no room for compassion and love and some sympathy and some time. At some point, though, we got to go back to the truth. That's the only way we stay in the light. It's the only way. Otherwise, we're just stuck in the darkness. And man, guess what? We're then at the center of our own universe and we're the victim of everything. And to surround yourself with the right people and then say, Amen to that. You are a victim. They shouldn't be treating you like that. They shouldn't have been doing that. You've been doing the right thing. We're supposed to be new. New. So this guy, you know, can't tell if they're redeemed or saved or not. There's some salty Christians out there. Let us not be guilty of that. Let's let God fill our heart with joy regardless of what's going on. Not because we're super Christian or superhuman or whatever. We've just been in communion with God and He's just filling our hearts and changing us. He's changing us to different people. That's the point of the gospel and the good news that we are changed. Not just that we, so we don't go to hell. To change us here. And other people see, admit they are not the same person. They are not reacting in the same way that they did before and that person wronged them. It's not the same. Their patience level is very different. How could they be kind in that situation? How could they be generous when they basically don't have anything anyways? We're talking about different people. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The great news is He's agreed and He's willing and He's guaranteed to do it. We just have to surrender to let Him do it and be in communion with Him. Because transformation is the goal, not some profession of faith. Transformation. I was listening to a guy talk this past week and uh, I thought he had a great illustration. He said, you know, I got a picture up here about, uh, and I'm thirsty, so it's going to make me thirsty, but um, I got a picture up here with an orange and uh, it's got a straw in there. Yeah, see? Makes me thirsty. So, when you poke an orange... When you poke an orange, right? You invade that orange's space. You're not like 
get in there. Orange juice pops out. It's just, just what happens. It's no great science fact. It's not even a riddle of any kind. And, you know, it's just what happens. It would be very weird if you poked an orange and apple juice came out. Now that'd be weird. That's when you get on YouTube and, you know, that's interesting. So when life pokes at us, and when people poke at us, they gossip, hypercritical, boom, unloving, boom, unforgiving, boom. Kids are just like misbehaving. They just stink right now. Boom. We're getting poked. Worship time. Ah, you're not worthy. I know who you really are. God knows who you really are. He knows what you did last night. He knows what you were thinking about. Getting poked, poked, poked. The enemy, poking. You can't do anything. What should happen is orange juice should come out. When we get poked, Jesus should be coming out. Because we're so filled with Jesus, right? That's the idea of the Christian, right? We're so filled with Jesus. Because you've been in communion. So when we get poked, they get Jesus. We get poked, they get Jesus back. I don't really like the way he said that to me, but you know. Okay, thanks for that. You know, move on. And then you just pray your butt off for him later. Or in worship time. I heard this pastor tell the story. How he was in worship time. He had an issue uh, with porn. I don't know why this porn thing keeps coming up. Um, I guess God's doing something with it. Because Travis was talking about it last week. So, that's not a coincidence to me. So if you got like sexual stuff, get some prayer on that. So for whatever reason, that's coming up. Um, so this pastor was talking about uh, how he was into this porn thing, and it was about ten years previous to this service he was in. And he's pastor of the church, and you know he's praising, he's worshiping, and and he says that during that time. Worship time. This stuff, and he st- and he stopped doing it ten years ago. Worship time now. He's got, he said he's got his eyes closed and he's praying, and I don't know what the song was, but he's there. He said all of a sudden the image, boom, flashed through his head. Stuff he's looking at ten years ago, whatever movie or picture or whatever it was. He goes, I got poked. The enemy was poking him. It's not like coincidence that that happens during his worship time, during a time where the Spirit is just anointing a service. He goes, I got poked. And he said, "Uh, you know, he poked me. He's getting Jesus back. And he said what he did. What he did is he continued right there. And he just, he then closed his eyes and said, Lord God, I thank you. That you've forgiven me. I thank you that your grace covers me. I thank you that all my sins are gone in Jesus Christ. I praise your name because I'm a forgiven son in you. And all your promises are true for me. 
And my sins have been buried with Jesus Christ on the cross. He gave him Jesus. He got poked and he gave him Jesus. He said the people around him started looking at him like, this guy's into church this morning, you know? He said right after that, right after that, he came up and prayed. And God showed him some things during the service about how the Holy Spirit was moving in the group of people. And some people got healed of a couple of things in the service that day. And he says, uh, and when he, he says it, he's funnier. But when he said, uh, he says, you know, he said, God used the porn to heal people. And he smiled and he goes, he goes, that's not a message to start looking at porn and start sinning. He said, that's a message of when you get poked, you give Jesus back and put things where they're supposed to be. So when God is telling us that we're not worthy, we can't handle things, that we just come up short. That's when we come back and we come back with Jesus. God, I thank you that it said we read in Ephesians. I thank you that I'm a daughter of you. I thank you that I'm a son of you. I thank you that I'm forgiven by you. I thank you for how you've given me this in your life, in my life. I thank you for how you've provided this for me. God, I don't know what's coming next, but I'm going to trust you for what you're bringing. You give them Jesus. We get poked. That's what we come back with. Tell you what, that changes everything. That gets rid of your laundry list of requests. Changes everything. It puts the focus back on what Jesus has done on the cross, what he is doing currently, and what he would like to do in the future. Changes everything. So it's pretty much just straight talk this morning. The gospel the good news. The Holy Spirit has come into those that have believed in Him. He's looking to transform and make a new life to where hurts, unforgiveness, doubts, critiques, whatever it is, they don't affect us as much. They don't get us down as much. He's looking to bring us into a new person to transform us from the inside out to where our attitude and our day is not dependent upon our circumstance and what somebody else might say or how somebody else might treat us or if we got stuck in traffic or if we dropped our groceries on the floor or if somebody yelled at us. Who cares? It's going to poke. We're going to poke back with Jesus and with His truth. Does it make sense? It's the gospel. It's transformation. So much bigger than some prayer that, hey, a bunch of people prayed this prayer today and guess they're good. They're saved. It's good. I want more people to go to heaven, but they need to be saved and made whole and be restored and be transformed here as well. It's got to happen. Otherwise, how does an unbelieving world believe anything different has happened? It'd be like Frederick guy. Uh, they're supposedly redeemed and saved, but I don't know. They complain as much as everybody else. They like, you know, hang out at the same bars and say the same thing and look at the same stuff. So I, I don't know. We're looking to be transformed. Right, church?
Yes. And again, it's not behavior modification. I'm not saying that. That's what the world would tell you. Well then, let's uh, get into place uh, some behavior modifications we can make and you know, let's make like a list of things we should do. And I'm saying let's get in communion with the Father and He'll make the necessary changes. How does that happen? I don't know. He just does that. He'll start to feed that spirit from the inside. So hopefully in five, six years from now, man, we are just transformed in just a radical new way. And then five, six years from now, just transformed again. Continual transformation. Not in the same place. So let's stand and close in prayer. God, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you for submitting and going to the cross for us. I thank you that our love and our identity can be found in the finished work of the cross by Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the love you've poured out on us. Thank you for poured out that love when the rest of the world or other people have told us completely otherwise. Father, I pray that you would give myself and that you would give my brothers and sisters here this morning and whoever may be listening to this online, Lord, that you would give uh, the courage needed for us, Lord, to surrender for the Holy Spirit working in us. God, may this gospel transform our attitudes and our emotions and our responses. God, may it transform those things, Lord, into the thoughts and into the words of our Christ Jesus. Because if things sound silly in his mouth, Lord, they should also be silly in ours. And Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that what is heard this morning is not just, hey, be perfect. I pray, Lord, that what is heard this morning is that you have a higher calling for our lives as Christians and that we are not done and that it is centered upon our communion with you. Father, may we commune with you. May we spend time with you. May we not justify our actions with wisdom of this world and with what our flesh would like us to do and with what would make sense. May we be truly transformed from the inside, Lord. God, I pray that we would approach our marriages differently. That we'd approach our family members differently. That we could approach co-workers differently. That we would approach guilt, condemnation, and shame differently. Because they don't own the Christian.
God, help us to see the need to just commune with you. Not just read these scriptures, but actually want to be these scriptures. Be transformed by them. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that for many of these things, God, you are doing the work in our church right now as we speak. That you have been doing the work in our church, Lord. And I pray and ask that you will continue to do that. Father, may you protect us from the easy temptation of making church just the thing that we go to on Sunday and hopefully we're there and that will make our week better and get religious about things. Father, help us to be true Christians, Lord, that just commune with you daily, Father. I thank you for how much you love us, Lord, and I thank you for how patient you are with us And I thank you for how you're not trying to heap on burdens, but you're trying to point us in the direction for us to go. We love you, Father. May you fill this room with courage, Lord. I thank you for our time this morning. And may we go out, Lord. And when we get poked, may they get Jesus back. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like some prayer of any kind, um, of course you can come on up and, and we can do some prayer time too.